What's up, everybody? My name is David E.J. Berger. You can find me at Carl Jr. on Twitter. And welcome to Training Camp Dialed In. I'll be featuring phone calls with NFL writers and reporters from the actual sidelines of camp, getting their first-hand accounts of the action from a fantasy perspective. This is the place to be all month long, so you need to subscribe to the Fantasy Authority feed, the exclusive home of the super short-run, super niche, and super essential podcast for the month of August. And we are back. We are back. If you're a routine listener of this podcast, uh, you you know I have my regulars. The eyes and ears I lean on every year for certain teams. But every year we get some new guys in the mix. And and today is one of those days. And it's a sleeper team. We've had heavy hitters this week. Now we're on the sleeper teams. With new politically correct names, folks. We're talking the Washington Commanders. Personally, I thought the football team was a pretty good name. But we're talking Commanders here, folks. I dialed up Ethan Cadeau. You can find him at Ethan underscore Cadeau on Twitter. He writes about the commanders and other things for NBC Sports Washington. He has been at camp and he has some thoughts on Jahan Dotson. I think you might want to hear. And he's also about to deliver the definitive guide to the 2022 Washington Commanders football team. What are we waiting for? Let's bring him on. Ladies and gentlemen, Ethan Cadeau. Hello. Hello, Ethan. Hey, how's it going? Good. Thanks uh, for talking with me. Of course, man. I'm happy to join. The Commanders are a team that very much intrigues fantasy gamers with a lot of buzzy guys for all formats. But before we dig into those individual pieces, I always like to start with the offense as a whole first last year. The football team now, Commanders, were 23rd in points scored, or about 200 points off fellow NFC East team, the top-scoring Dallas Cowboys, and they were 23rd in total yards. So uh, it definitely gave some solid weeks to gamers' lineups, but maybe not so much uh, at times over the course of the season. The one area that they could count on this team was in the ground game which finished top 10 in attempts so a nice amount of volume there but this is a new year and this team has a new qb in carson wentz who takes some criticism but did lead the colts to a top nine scoring offense last year so not too shabby from from what you've seen in camp what should we expect from this offense in terms of scheme uh in 2022 still ground oriented or any changes in philosophies what's this offense going to be doing in 2022 yeah i definitely don't think they're going to be as run heavy as they were last year simply because of all the new pieces they've got on offense i mean yes carson Wentz. he's not the most accurate quarterback we all know that but he has arm talent that taylor heineke simply didn't have last year so i think just that alone will allow scott turner the offensive coordinator to just start opening up the playbook and really take some more deep shots down the field which should benefit the wide variety of receivers they have and i'm also really really excited to see what rookie first round pick Jahan Dotson does. He's been by far the most impressive player on offense throughout OTA's mini camp and training camp. And even with Terry McLaurin coming back after missing the spring due to his contract negotiations, Dotson's still been just as equally productive. So I think he's one guy that I'm probably the most excited to see, but I'm really hoping that this offense is a lot more balanced this year than they were in 2021. Yeah, let's talk about the pass catchers next. Uh, this is a group that has drafters very excited uh, with a couple names you mentioned already, and they were a bit run heavy, but Washington did run 11 personnel or had three wide receivers on the field 75% of the time last year. So, uh, you know, if this offense throws it more, they're already locked and loaded to do so. Terry McLaurin is the headliner here going, you know, in the third or early fourth round of drafts at the moment. He's 
posted back-to-back seasons of over 130 targets and over 1,000 yards. I think where drafters would love to see a spike is, a, is in the receptions, which were only 77 last year in the touchdowns uh, since he only hit Pater five times a year ago, uh, and he's never had more than seven in his short career. How has he looked, and uh, could we see a spike in those those areas? Yeah, he's his chemistry with Carson Wentz has been a work in progress, I would say. I mean, those are... The direct words they both used to describe it. It did hurt a little bit that he wasn't there for the spring, so they didn't get those early reps together to start building the chemistry. But if there's one thing about Terry McLaurin, it's he's going to produce regardless of who's under under center. In his first three years, I think he's caught a pass from eight or nine different quarterbacks, which is just really unprecedented. And yet still turning in back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons is really impressive. I think this is the year he has to make a jump in terms of those touchdowns, the offense he's been on the last three years simply hasn't been a high-scoring team at all. So it's obviously hard to score when your your team as a whole isn't. So I think just based on the a lot of the new weapons they have around him, that should only benefit him in terms of finding pay dirt. And then receptions, let's not forget that in, I think it was 2020, he had 87 or 88. So he's definitely capable of getting to that 90 reception mark maybe 100 this year depending if they pass the ball a lot more but i also think the additions of john dotson and a couple of the other guys will impact the amount of targets he gets i'm still expecting a lot he's still the clear-cut number one but i wouldn't be surprised if he's back around in the 70s or 80s when it comes to receptions and what about his usage has that changed uh is he lining up all over the field people love to know uh you know where a guy is uh, in camp if there's any new deployment uh, for these guys yeah it's he's mainly stayed on the outside i think that's more just because both dotson and curtis samuel can play the slot and have played the slot in the past so terry's your prototypical x receiver i expect him to stay in that role and yeah they'll probably move him around and stuff there ha- they haven't really been experimenting that much in camp but there's probably only so much they want to show so i'm expecting them to really just put him in formations wherever it is to get the ball in his hands because with all the playmakers they have, that's all Wentz needs to do. He doesn't need to hold on to the ball and try to play hero ball. He just needs to get the ball in his playmakers' hands and let them do the rest of the work. And those three receiver sets, it's going to be Jahan Dotson uh, and a healthy Curtis Samuel, you think? Yeah, that's the clear-cut top three. That's what Commanders fans hope is going to be the three as long as Curtis Samuel will stay healthy. I think Samuel's health has been so inconsistent up and down that People are really expecting Dotson to take control at number two spot. He's given every reason to prove why he should be that number two receiver. But yeah, if they want to move him in the slot, they can get someone like Cam Sims, the biggest receiver they have on offense, back on the outside. Or they could get someone like De'Ami Brown, the second-year player who's probably their best deep threat out there to make plays down the field. So they definitely have a lot of different players they can put out there in 11 personnel and stuff like that to really keep the defense on its toes and you've mentioned Dotson has looked great so far what about Samuel is he you know does he look like he's back to the player that we know he can be yeah it's hard to tell because he hasn't practiced three days in a row since the first three days of practice it's a like load management conditioning thing they're really working on but yeah he's he's shown flashes of the player he was before last year he just was really never healthy so it's hard to compare against that but he definitely has that burst, that explosiveness, and that speed that reminds you why Washington went out and signed him last free agency. So I think he's definitely healthy enough where he can be 
an impact player, and it's up to Scott Turner and the rest of the offense to find a way to get the ball in his hands. And drafters, uh, they shouldn't hesitate to, to draft Dotson, do you think? Oh, of all the fantasy options in Washington, I think when it comes to ADP and the value, I think he's the best. I don't think the fantasy community from the research I've done is as high on him as people around the team and covering the team. I'm in the Dynasty League, and he's been there 1-8, 1-9. That's a great spot to get him. But even in redraft leagues, I think he's the one where you can get him towards the end of your draft who's going to end up being one of the league winners. Oh, we love it. Uh, we're touching both Dynasty and redraft. Great stuff, Ethan. Home run appearance so far for us. Thank you. <laughs> Home run. Uh, it's a football pod. I, I need a better metaphor. Anyway, um, let's, let's, go to the, <laughs> let's, let's go to the running back room uh, next. This is where drafters really need some help. Last year, Antonio Gibson was a super hot name that was going in the second round. Even late first in some drafts this year, he's fallen all the way to the middle rounds of draft and people are skipping him. He did have over 1,200 scrimmage yards last year with 10 touchdowns and chipped in 52 catches. So pretty good. I mean, in retrospect, I think the fear comes from his stability and JD McKissick returns. Brian Robinson was out in the draft. Jared Patterson got some buzz last year. How have these guys looked? And is there a, a clear pecking order so far in camp that you see playing out into the season? Yeah, the clear pecking order is Gibson as the one, McKissick is the two, Brian Robinson as the three. But Personally, I'm staying away from all three of those running backs in fantasy drafts. I think if Ron Rivera has his way and everything goes as planned, the split between Gibson and Robinson in terms of carries will be somewhere between 50-50 and 60-40. I think he really wants to have that two-back rotation almost. And as we all know, the words running back by committee are the four words most hated by fantasy players. So if that's the way it's going to be, and then, of course, I didn't touch on McKissick, but that's someone who had 80 receptions two years ago and over the past two years combined has like the fifth most receptions of any running back. That's someone who's going to eat into the pass catching workload, which is so important in these PPR formats. And we want to see Gibson more work in the passing game. He's a former receiver. He's proven that he can do it, but Washington's just not given him that usage yet. And until he's proven that he's going to be the pass catching back, it's really hard to trust him, especially after last year where I think his finish where he ended the year is a lot higher than I guess game by game production you would get from him throughout the year. I don't think many people who drafted him in the second round last year ended up being happy with that pick. And I know a lot of people that are staying away from him this year, me included, just because where he's going, there's probably a lot higher upside players than him. Does he look explosive though? I mean, when, when you watch them at camp, I mean, are you, are you like, man, they got to give this guy some work or is it like, wow, they really should split the carries. Cause they, they all look pretty capable. Oh, he looks really explosive. He's actually slimmed down. I think he's dropped close to 10 to 15 pounds. Maybe I think he's still trying to lose a few more pounds before the season, but he almost looks more explosive now, slimmer than he did before. And I think he knows this is really the first time since training camp of his rookie year where there's legit competition for snaps. And the biggest thing with Gibson, which I'm surprised I haven't even brought up yet, he needs to hold on to the football. Six fumbles last year. That's the main reason why I feel like they went out and got Brian Robinson, used a third-round pick on him, because if Gibson can't hold on to the football, it doesn't matter how athletic or how explosive he is. He's not going to be able to stay on the field. Right now, I'm, I've always been an AG truther. I think he's by far the best running back they have in the room. I think he should get the majority of the work and let Robinson kind of ease his way, work his way in. But I just don't know if that's what the coaching staff is going to do. So for me, I like the way Gibson looks. I think he has value. I think he can be a really, really good player, both in fantasy and real life. But just I don't have that trust 
that this is going to be the breakout everyone's hoping for. Trust uh, does seem to be the main issue, uh, and uh, we don't trust him. So <laughs> it doesn't <laughs> sound like there's any any reason to so far this August. All right, well, if he's going to be a pass-catching running back, uh, he's going to catch passes from Carson Wentz. So uh, while he might not be the, the first QB off the board for drafters in a traditional you know one QB league, he certainly has some interest as a deep sleeper in Superflex, especially with the receiver like McLaurin and Dotson getting buzz. Uh, he did throw 27 touchdowns last year with not the best receiving core in Indy. How has Wentz looked? And uh, do you think he will be you know used any differently than what we've seen from his previous stops? Or is it kind of, <laughs> we know Wentz, this is what it's going to be like. Yeah, he's been consistently inconsistent in camp so far. He's, his great days have been like, wow, this guy has all the makings of someone who could be a top five, top 10 quarterback in the league, which we've seen. But his bad days make you wonder like, uh-oh, what's going on here? So I will say he has looked a lot better since the pads came on last week. He's only thrown one interception since the pads came on. And that wasn't even during a padded practice. It was like during a lighter walkthrough session a few days ago. So for me, I don't trust him in fantasy either. I know I'm switching gears there, but I just don't see the value unless you're in a two QB league or deep sleeper. There's just a lot better options at that position. And Wentz has really never been a great fantasy quarterback outside of two seasons. I believe he's finished in the top 10. So for me, I'd rather take a risk on someone, one of the younger guys that are going in round eight, nine, 10, even round 11 or round 12. I'm sure you could get Wentz off waivers and maybe he'll end up being someone you could stream week to week, but I don't really see fantasy value in him. He's a streamer. We've got a streamer, folks. Uh, but does he have a favorite target so far? Uh, you know, this is a new stop and uh, a natural chemistry developing. Perhaps he's getting breakfast from someone uh, and that's going to help <laughs> our lineups. <laughs> Dotson is definitely the receiver he's looked the most comfortable throwing the football to. I don't know if that's going to carry over into the season. I think it's largely a byproduct of simply having the most reps with him because he was around four OTAs in minicamp while Terry McLaurin wasn't. The whole operation just looks the smoothest when it's Dotson on the receiving end. Wentz looks the most confident when he's throwing it number one's way, whereas the other receivers, he's still trying to get down the timing and the rhythm and the chemistry and all that. So that's another reason why I'm really high on Dotson. I know I've been praising him this entire time, but he's given me no reason not to. I wasn't a huge fan of the draft pick when it happened, but he's completely changed my mind on it. I think Dotson's going to end up having a really, really good rookie year. And I think especially early on, he's going to get peppered with targets. You're changing my mind the last few minutes as well, Ethan. Uh, this is why we're here. Okay. Well, you, you mentioned your dynasty league. Dynasty Twitter would, would hate me if I didn't ask about uh, Sam Howell. You know, how has he looked? What's the realistic outlook for him You know, this season and even beyond? Yeah. So if everything goes right for the commander, Sam Howell won't play a snap this year. That just really just means Carson Wentz is having a good year. But Sam Howell's arm strength is real. I was surprised to see how strong it is and how accurate he is when he does unleash the deep ball. The one thing that also really stands out to me about Sam Howell is how quickly he gets the ball out of his hands. He goes through his progressions, arguably the quickest of any of Washington's quarterbacks, which is really surprising for me to see as a rookie especially. But I think down the line, he could end up being something. I think this preseason, he's going to have a pretty effective preseason. I think fans are going to start to love him. And if things start to go bad with the ones down the line during the season, I feel like fans are going to maybe start to clamor for him. Obviously, it's early. He hasn't even played a snap of NFL preseason football yet. 
So I don't want to get way ahead of myself, but I do like the raw talent and skills Hal has. The thing I always tell people is there's a there's a reason he was 11 months ago in the conversation for being that number one overall pick. Obviously, his final year at UNC did not go the way he or the team or scouts wanted it to go, and there's a reason he fell to the fifth round too. But he does have that raw talent. He does have a lot of skills with him, and I think when he does get a shot, he'll do his best to make the most of it because I really think he does have the talent to play in this league. Uh, yeah, I think this QB class has a chance to put some GMs on the hot seat <laughs> for letting, letting, oh, these, definitely. letting these guys fall so far. Okay. Well, um, let's round up the finish in the tight end room. There's a lot of mystery here. Logan Thomas projects as a top guy, but after his ACL tear late last year, health is the key here. I don't believe he's on the field. you know what's going on with the tight end room? Are we going to have a fantasy relevant tight end in DC? The Logan Thomas being sidelined has kind of put a damper on the fantasy outlook for tight ends in Washington. He finishes the tight end four in PPR formats in 2020. Obviously didn't repeat that because he was injured last year. But he doesn't look like a guy who's going to be ready for week one. He's still on the side field during practice. He's still on PUP. So unless things drastically change over the next few weeks, I would expect him to at least miss the first or second game of the year. One name I will give for you that's worth keeping an eye on is fifth round rookie Cole Turner. This guy caught 19 touchdowns during his combined in his last two years in Nevada. And with both Thomas out and John Bates missing a bulk of training camp, Cole Turner's gotten a lot of the reps with the ones and sure his blocking is not great, but he is a big target. Him and the ones seem to have a really good connection. And I wouldn't be surprised if he's, if nothing more, a really good red zone option. And Washington's needed red zone help for years and years. So while that's he's not going to be a guy, in my opinion, that puts up six for 80 and a touchdown, he could be a guy who has three catches for 27 yards and two scores, which that'll be a top tight end 10, tight end five finish most weeks. So I think he's definitely a high reward. He's obviously a big risk. He's a fifth-round rookie. Tight ends, as rookies, usually never end up panning out unless you're Kyle Pitts who had a great year and some other guys, but usually takes tight ends a year or two. I would say unless Logan Thomas does come back, there's really not a guy in Washington's tight end room. You'd feel comfortable starting week to week, but Cole Turner is a long shot play that I feel like could win you some weeks if you have the guts to play him. Well, let's uh, keep the dynasty theme going here. He, he might be out there on some waivers for your dynasty league teams. And uh, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably have at least one, if not two, uh, dynasty leagues so yeah. uh that's a great name for us ethan uh, this has been incredible ethan I'm gonna get you out of here we have one uh, last question uh, but it's a bit of a toughie what's your hottest fantasy take for the commander's offense in 2022 my hottest fantasy take for the commander's offense wow um i'm gonna stick with the theme that i've been going with throughout the whole the whole episode i would not be surprised if jahan dotson finishes within 10 to 15 fantasy points end of year with Terry McLaurin. I think he's going to be that productive. And if he's able to score, I think that'll definitely keep him in the realm. I wouldn't be surprised if Jahan Dotson is the highest fantasy performer of any rookie receiver. That includes Olave, Drake London, and all the other guys that are getting buzzed. So I'm really high on this kid. It could come back to bite me. I could end up sounding foolish in three months. But right now, he's given me every reason to be a believer. He's a firm number two guy in an offense that's going to throw a lot more. And I'm really excited to see what he has to come. 
Amazing stuff, Ethan. Where can uh, everyone find all your stuff? Yeah, everyone can find me on Twitter at Ethan underscore Cadeau. That's C-A-D-E-A-U-X. And all my work is on NBCSportsWashington.com. So check it out. Thank you once again, and uh, have a great season. You as well. Thank you. Jahan Dotson, rookie breakout season. You are now dialed in. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.